the mystery history podcast i'm allison i'm rachel welcome to episode 95 on ann miller Conts. Conts. this is a very interesting one uh we got uh, some good stuff going on in here yeah i'm excited so, yeah so we got a message from uh one of our listeners jamie the cat it's jamie underscore the underscore cat uh she's been an amazing Listener. she's one of my favorite listeners yes um i was messaging with her before about ireland and such after a night of drinking <laughs> <laughs> yeah so she's my best friend now <laughs> <laughs> so she actually is the one who suggested this episode uh because strangely enough she has met in miller cons she <gasps> knew her what a small world it is yes so she, a little later, will give a interview on how she knows her, what she knows of her, and we're super excited. That's pretty cool. Not Yeah, I'm excited. Not a lot do we get people who knew killers. Yeah, no, like never so far. Never. Right? First time. <laughs> this is the first time, <laughs> and it's going to add so much to the story, I feel like. Yes, and so also for her... She does amazing artwork. Amazing. Yes, she does. Our favorite piece is what? The octopus. The octopus. <laughs> it is in our hearts. It's so cool. <laughs> it is. We love nautical stuff anyway, but she's straight up amazing. So check her art page out. You can find it on her Jamie underscore the underscore cat. It'll take you there. You can see all of her stuff. Buy something from her because she is yeah. so she's so talented. She's great. Yes, and we love her. And she's also working excitedly enough on a character of Rachel and I, which I cannot wait to see. <laughs> Should be interesting. It will be the best. <laughs> <laughs> so for business, the only other thing we've got to say is like, share, subscribe, like always. Yes, please. And there's one extra thing. Uh, we are approaching our hundredth episode. Yes, we are. We made a post about it to see what you wanted to see. Uh, you know, we just did a giveaway for a t-shirt for our Patreon listeners. And we're thinking about doing just a mass sticker giveaway. You don't have, you mm -hmm. know, you have to like the, the picture and tag a couple friends and we'll send you one like we've done in the past. So yeah. my brother, Jordo, you remember him from before, is working on a killer picture for us for these literally yeah literally <laughs> and these are going to be 100th episode exclusive stickers so once they're yeah, gone they're one gone. time only <laughs> yep so be on the lookout for that uh because we're five away yeah that's so weird it is all right well are you ready to get into it yeah let's ann Breyer was born in 1970 and was the oldest of three sisters in an upper middle class family she was known as an all-American girl. After high school, she attended Purdue University, where she studied chemistry and where she met one Mr. Eric Miller. Ooh. Mm hmm She came from a normal family. Like they all do, right? Most of them. This one, I think, probably legit was. Yeah, she looks normal. 
She looks pretty white bread. Yeah. <laughs> so Eric Miller grew up in Indiana and he too was ambitious and the all-American boy to the all-American mm-hmm. girl. When he met Anne, he knew that that was the woman he was going to marry. And he proposed to her on Valentine's Day. After graduating for Purdue in 1992, the two moved to Raleigh, North Carolina, so Eric could get his degrees, multiple, smarty pants, from North Carolina State University. Nice. After he received his PhD Mm -hmm. in 1998, he rejected a high-paying big pharma job and got a federal grant to do pediatric AIDS research. What a nice guy. (laughs) Aww. Yeah. Don't you just love him? He sounds great. He does. I love it. And then in January 2000, Eric and Anne welcomed a baby girl named Claire. They're so cute. They are cute. Because of because of the researcher's salary not being quite as high as other jobs, the Miller family was surviving but frequently went without the finer things in life. Which is fine, right? <laughs> I mean, I feel like if you're able to eat, you're doing well, (laughs) right? And longed for those finer things, uh, a nice house, nice cars, a boat. So instead of continuing to pursue her PhD, she found herself a job as a scientist for GlaxoSmithKline, a British, a large British pharmaceutical company with a research facility in the area. Okay. So she bougie. (laughs) Yeah, it sounds like it. And his noble job of trying to find a cure for children's AIDS is not good enough for her. Right. This sets the scene. It does. I'm getting, (laughs) I'm getting a visual here on what this lady is like. Because of her new income, her first purchase, like you do, was a set of new boobs. But you don't. You don't. (laughs) nobody does um along with other beauty treatments like botox and all that crap um her outer appearance was very important to her and she strived to always look put together just like the reason why she wanted all those nice finer things is because she wanted to look the part of being amazing so november 15 2000 eric met up with daryl willard and a group of ann's co-workers for bowling night Daryl ordered a round of beers and passed them out to the group. Whenever Eric tasted his beer, he remarked that it tasted funky, and soon after that, he became violently ill. He assumed it was food poisoning from the bowling alley, but further into the night, he became even more ill, and Anne drove him to the hospital, where he stayed for more than a week. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's some bad food poisoning. That is. I'm assuming not what it was. No. <laughs> But that would be really bad yeah. poisoning. <laughs> Doctors scratched their heads and couldn't understand how someone who appeared healthy to be could become so sick due to food poisoning. Yeah, I don't understand that either. No. On November 24th, he was finally released from the hospital. Six six days later, he got sick again after eating dinner with Anne. Anne took him back to the hospital. His symptoms this time were much worse than before, and he began to hallucinate. They had to restrain him because he was thrashing on the table. Wow. That's not good. Doctors took blood work, and when it came back from the lab, it showed he had arsenic poisoning. 
the Raleigh Police Department was contacted, but by the time they got there, two days later on December 2nd, Eric was dead at 30 years old. Oh, no. He gone. Very fast. Yeah, very fast. So, like, two doses of arsenic poisoning. Well, we'll talk about it. I'm going to assume. (laughs) (laughs) So as, as the family made funeral arrangements, police were obviously investigating Eric's death and the results of the lab showing arsenic poisoning. So the police took samples from everything in the Miller's house because here in the United States, it's very unlikely for anybody to get arsenic poisoning. I mean, it's not something that happens unless it's, you know, a fluke thing. So they took samples from shampoo, conditioner, soap, food, any fluids that they could see to see if that was maybe the cause of the arsenic poisoning. They also went to his work since he was a scientist. They thought that maybe he was eating lunch and some arsenic dripped onto his turkey sandwich, or maybe it was a possible angry or jealous coworker that was trying to poison him to get him out of the way. But no arsenic was found anywhere. Hmm. That's weird. Hmm. Hmm. According to a toxicology report, it showed that he had been receiving small doses of arsenic about five months before he died, which means whoever was poisoning him would need access to him pretty much all the time. Yeah. The cops believed their primary suspect was Anne. Each time he got sick, Anne was there, and she's the only one who would have been with him enough of the time that it would make sense as far as people go that he's around. The police questioned Anne, and she immediately burst into tears and said she was too distraught to speak with them, and then she lawyered up. (laughs) Wow. Which, I mean, even if she was innocent. Looks a little suspicious lawyering up when the police are questioning you about your spouse's death mysterious death i don't know i would probably lawyer up even if i didn't do it i mean typically in a situation like this it's usually the wife or the husband so i mean maybe but i don't know that just that's odd to me is it i think you would lawyer up too because i would make you <laughs> just to make sure I didn't accidentally say something that got me in trouble. I mean, exactly. I don't know. Because I mean, that is you, you see it all the time, wrongfully accused people. If you're yeah. like the easy answer, which you would be That's, there. I mean, well, we did just do starve rock with Chester. Yeah. So, I so, mean, I guess, I guess you're I mean, right. He did. He said he did it though. He did. <laughs> I mean, I would but, expect you not to be that stupid. <laughs> no, I would die in that interrogation room. Like, no. Before I said anything, right? It wasn't me. But, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So she lawyered so, up. Yeah. December yeah. 4th, 2001, police was searching Anne's workstation and found an arsenic compound called sodium castledolate. Yeah. They also mm-hmm. found emails on her work computer indicating that she was actually having an affair with Daryl, Daryl Willard. And he's the guy who got the beers that night at the bowling alley. Suspicious. Very suspicious. Even more suspicious. Three days before that bowling alley incident, it showed that Anne and Daryl had flown to Chicago for a romantic weekend away under the disguise of a work trip. So if she hadn't lawyered up before, she should definitely definitely do it now. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
Oh my goodness. Uh, January 21st, 2001, Raleigh police executed a search warrant for Daryl Willard's home, taking two computers. While at the home, Daryl told Detective Morgan that he had nothing to do with Eric's death. Detective Morgan told Daryl that it appeared he had been used by a woman and Daryl agreed with him and said that he needed to talk to a lawyer. So time for that bro to lawyer up too. Sounds like it was a scapegoat type situation. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Fun fact. Daryl was also married at the time. <laughs> the next day when his wife Yvette came home from work, she found him what? dead in the garage with a self-inflicted gunshot wound to the head. Next to his body was the suicide note apologizing to his family saying, I've been accused of an action for which I am not responsible. I've taken no one's life save my own. Oh, that makes me panicky. The tangled web we weave. I don't know why people do that. Yeah. There is nothing worth killing yourself over. Especially if you didn't do it. Yeah. I bet, you know, when like just taking a step back, I wonder if he was more worried about that or more worried about the fact that his wife was going to find out that he was cheating and didn't want to like deal with the repercussions of like hurting her and like being around for all of that. I mean, it was, it was a lot to unpack. And especially if she was going to, and I mean, use him as a scapegoat to say, he's the one that killed my husband. He was jealous and wanted me all to himself. Like I can hear it now. That could be even worse to deal with yeah so, so he oh, took himself man. out of the equation out of the equation yikes not the right thing to do of course but yeah so after news spread to ann that daryl had killed himself she packed up her stuff and moved with her daughter two hours south to live with her sister in wilmington north carolina a year later the police still didn't have any hard evidence to charge ann with eric's murder even though they were certain that she had a hand in it somehow So finding arsenic at her work and seeing that she was having an affair wasn't enough hard evidence to like string that together. I guess not, which I mean, I've seen them do it with less, (laughs) like no evidence at all. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) None. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah. Seems interesting. Yes. Mm -hmm. In an interview with Vet, Daryl's widow, she shared that Daryl had consulted with his attorney, Rick Gammon, right before his death, who told him he could be charged with attempted murder, which means that Daryl must have told his attorney something. Yes. So that's of interest. Gammon invoked attorney-client privilege and refused to give any details about their conversation. After two years of litigation, North Carolina's Supreme Court forced Gammon to give up any information he had about the case in May 2004. Gammon's notes state that Daryl Willard had met Anne while her husband was in the hospital. She stated to Mr. Willard that, this is a quote, she stated to Mr. Willard that she was by herself in the room with Mr. Miller for a period of time. She then told Mr. Willard that she took a syringe and needle from her purse and injected the contents of the syringe into Mr. Miller's IV. When Willard asked why she had done it, she replied, I don't know. He knows exactly what she was doing. I don't know. What, That's the what dumbest kind of answer thing. is that? You just killed a guy who's your husband and the father of your child, but you don't know. That's not a good answer for me. 
No, that's really not a good enough answer. So that explains why he passed away so fast because yeah. she killed him while he what was did she inject into him probably arsenic probably it could like have been directly? a you know what i have an irrational fear of oh uh, air yes <laughs> you yeah. are you there with me yes <laughs> oh, yeah to the point where like so i'm a diabetic i have to inject myself with insulin all the time and I use the pin needles now, but I used to have to use a syringe and a vial. And I was so afraid that I was going to kill myself with air pockets that were in this syringe. So every time I would take a shot, I'd tell somebody, listen, I'm taking a shot. <laughs> if something happens, it was an air bubble. Okay. Tell, <laughs> tell them I love out. them. Yeah. Crazy. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So Ian, Ian Miller, like we would expect, didn't mourn the death of her husband very long. Now we are going to play Jamie's interview that she did for us on how she knew Ann Miller-Kantz. So here you go. I first met Ann Miller-Kantz when she moved to Wilmington and started going to our church while she was still being investigated by the police. The church was very new with a small, close-knit congregation, and Paul was the musician for our band. He played guitar. Uh, He was a nice guy, kind of quiet shy, but, you know, very laid back and very nice. We all knew about Anne pretty much from the start, but everyone sort of had the attitude that we wanted to be as kind and friendly and supportive of her as possible and her daughter, Claire, because everyone's innocent until proven guilty, right? And there was a sort of tacit understanding that even if she was guilty, she needs the church even more. Uh, So yeah, everybody tried to make her feel very welcome because, I mean, that's the whole point of church, right? But she was a pretty cold person, and I can't say that I ever knew her, because as far as I could tell, the only person she ever really got to know at that church was Paul. Um, I did my best to be friendly and chatty with her, but it did not work out. Uh, I can think of a couple times off the top of my head when I tried to make small talk with her and, and just be, you know, chat and be friendly, and she literally would not answer me. She would just stand there and stare at me and then turn around and walk away. It was so weird. Um, But, you know, you try to give people the benefit of the doubt. And I thought, well, she's under so much stress from all that's going on. And maybe she's just not showing her best self right now. So my best friend also went to this church and our sons were just a little older than Claire, but in the same kind of general age range. And there weren't a lot of kids that went to this church. So they all played together, but she would not let Claire have anything to do with them. And that's when I stopped giving her the benefit of the doubt and started really not liking her very much because both of our sons are on the autism spectrum. And I felt a little bit like maybe she didn't want her daughter around the weird kids. So she lost me at that point. Um, It's one thing to be rude to me, but to treat my kid like he's a weirdo uh, or something's wrong with him, uh, that's a deal breaker. I I don't remember how Anne and Paul got together, but I do remember being really surprised because they just didn't seem like a good fit to me. Uh, She's very pretty, actually, or at least at the time she was very pretty. I don't know what she looks like now, but she was always so perfectly turned out 
you know, she always had the makeup and the jewelry and the clothing, and she just always looked so perfect. And he was much more laid back and casual and just, I don't know. It just seemed like kind of an odd match. Um, very, he was very sweet and shy and she was absolutely not sweet at all. She was very cold person. But she just never warmed up to anybody in that congregation at that I could tell. And once she hooked up with Paul and they were serious, she convinced him to leave the church, even though he'd been with them since the very beginning and was close with a lot of the members. And um, it was kind of it was kind of weird because I remember there there was this really like palpable disappointment that went through the church over losing Paul because he was very well loved and nobody could wrap their head around him leaving. And it was almost like, it was almost like the church felt like he'd broken up with them. You know, I don't know. It was, it was, it was almost kind of funny. <laughs> but once she had gone, my friend and I, I can remember us talking about her and wondering, you know, what it would be like to be married to Ann Miller Kantz. How does that work? And if you get into an argument with her the night before and then she serves you a nice big breakfast the next morning, I mean, is there that moment of hesitation when you kind of look at the food with suspicion and you know how pissed off she was the day before. <laughs> you know, we just, we used to, we used to kind of wonder about that. How can you ever trust a poisoner? And then somebody went and wrote that very article. I was very jealous that I didn't write it first and get the jump on it. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so, you know, all those, you listen to crime podcasts and see TV shows and all the people's say, oh my gosh, you know, he was such a normal person. I can't believe he did that. Or they were, they were such a beloved community member. I can't believe they did that. And that was really not my experience with her. Um, she just was not a friendly person. She was not charismatic. She was not friendly. She was cold and unfriendly. And I, I don't know. I kind of could see her doing a murder. In fact, I couldn't see her doing like an axe crime because she just didn't seem to have that kind of passion. But yeah, poisoning. Yeah, I had no problem believing she did that. Thanks, Jamie, for sharing that story. That's pretty crazy that you knew her and she was a piece of crap then. Um, so yeah, let's continue our story. Two years after her husband's death, she had moved on and married a Christian rock musician named Paul Kantz. But the honeymoon didn't last too long. September 27, 2004, the grand jury indicted her for the murder of Eric Miller. She turned herself into the Raleigh police and her bail was set at three mil. Damn. Wow. That's a lot. That's a lot. Yeah. Man, you know, that's a bad look for Mr. Paul Kantz, the Christian rock musician. Right? Well, like, how could you, and, and Jamie, whenever she had gave us this uh, topic she even said in the comment i wonder how paul would feel anytime he would eat dinner with her or drink anything from her that she wasn't going to do the same thing and that's exactly that's it how would you know yeah. you wouldn't know i wonder if he do you think that he did know about her like past though because there's a chance he didn't well she has a child 
yeah uh hi my name's Anne. whatever my husband died my child's this old nice to meet you I'm a widow you don't have to like tell people everybody thinks I killed my husband well I mean I don't know I would assume the news surprisingly it was super hard to find information about all of this stuff um Mm -hmm. There was one website, WRAL.com, it must be out of Raleigh, um, that had the most information and was the only kind of news source I could find. So I would feel like if they were also in North Carolina, the media would have showed some sort of coverage. But after two years, I mean, I'm sure it wasn't. Yeah, I bet there wasn't really any. It was an ongoing investigation. So it's not like the news would be like, hey, yo. Well, and even woman, and even still, even if she told him what happened, she could have blamed it on Daryl and been like, yeah, we were having an affair. He wanted more than what I could give him. So he decided to kill my husband. I mean, it could all have been blamed. He, he could have been blamed Mm -hmm. for everything. Yeah. But still, yeah, I would be cooking the meals. I would be too. So Anne's trial was set to begin in January, 2006, but before it could start, she pleaded guilty to second degree murder, murder and conspiracy to commit murder in the first degree in early November, 2005 in a statement read by her lawyers. She said, I will struggle for the rest of my life with how this could have happened. And I've asked God to forgive me. She was sentenced to 25 to 31 years in prison. That's it. No. She murdered a 30-year-old child AIDS doctor in cold blood. Yeah. And she got 25 to 31 years. And the thing that I wish we could know that we won't ever know is why. Like, why? Why wouldn't you? I mean, obviously, if his job wasn't enough to get her all of the finer things in life, was it an insurance policy or what? Because I feel like. Why wouldn't you just leave? Yeah. Cause you don't need his penny money. Anyway, you got your own job. No. And you have a kid. So you're going to get child support. Yeah. Like it's not like, yeah, I don't know. That's weird. It is weird. So I wish we knew that piece, but she'll probably never admit to anything because she's still. Sounds like is... she's still riding that Daryl did it. Yep. <laughs> okay. So Danielle Wilson and sister got custody of Claire their kid that they had in 2000 and was forbidden by the judge to bring her to the prison for visits with her mother, which I mean, at this point in 2007, Claire was seven years old, but she wanted to see her mom in person. Right. Yeah. Um, in since the murder, she's only been able to talk to her on the phone twice a week. Claire's paternal grandparents. So this is Eric's parents also share custody of Claire with Danielle, but they didn't want her to visit, obviously, because this lady killed their son. Um, A decision was supposed to be made in December of that year about if she was able to go and see her mother or not. Uh, They brought in like a trauma counselor to see what effects that this would have on Claire, but I couldn't find anything on that WRAL website if the Mm -hmm. decision was made that she was able to go see her. I'm assuming there was probably a cap on that. Um, Mm -hmm. And at this point, she's probably old enough to go do it if she wants to. Um, But that that's Mm -hmm. tough. That's a tough situation. Um, And at that point, 
whenever she was seven and she started talking about wanting to go see her mom, she was made aware of what happened to her mother and why she is where she is, but she still wanted Mm -hmm. to see her. I mean, Claire's 21 now or 22. Yeah. I mean, so she, she can definitely go see her if she wants to go see her. Right. And Ann Miller is now 52 and is serving her sentence at the newest correction Institute in Goldsboro, North Carolina, her earliest projected release date is September 2029. Or never. Hopefully never. I feel yeah. like. She'll get out for good behavior. Like. I don't understand this. <laughs> I don't either. And was that like whatever the motive was, if it was for money, she obviously thought she was smart enough to beat it. But is that worth not being able to be in your child's life? Like, like, no, was that worth it? Surely not. And I'm very confused as to why she thought she could beat that. Well, it sounds like she liked to make appearances be perfect. So she probably thought I'm so perfect. They would never assume that I've done this whenever, of course, they're going to take his blood in the hospital. Yeah. And yeah. And they would find out what it was. And most jobs you don't have access to arsenic. Right. So, I mean, of course they're going to look at you. Yeah. That's just really strange. And man, like, I don't know. You're right. We don't know the whole story in this, which is like always more complicated because you don't really know what, what happened. But the fact that Daryl killed himself, over it like if he was just like a semi-innocent bystander here like that's just sad well then she essentially killed two people right and i'm sure like even if daryl had no idea about the arsenic and she was in the room and he witnessed this or she told him about injecting something into his IV even if he had nothing to do with it it would be hard with the situation that they were in with the cheating all of that to make it appear that he didn't know anything about it right so she kind of screwed him She did. And it's interesting that the lawyer told him that he was like, he could potentially be charged. What did they say with like a um, murder attempted murder, right? Um, How? Let's see. Yeah. I don't know why I can't see it in the notes, even though we read it and I see like where he could be charged with attempted murder. Yep. How could he be charged with attempted murder in that case? Sometimes they plead down to lesser things, like instead of murder, maybe it was be, I would feel like it would be more no, of like I'm an saying, accomplice to murder. Well, I'm saying like what the, what he told the lawyer made the lawyer say you could be charged with attempted murder. And it turns out what he told the lawyer was that she told him that she was in a room with him by herself and injected him he didn't have shit to do with that so i don't really understand what he has to do with it at all but we've seen (laughs) it go weird ways yeah i'm just don't see the logic between like the fact that she told him that means that he could be charged with attempted murder i think (laughs) at that point it could be his word against her word too 
he says that he doesn't know anything about it but of course she's not gonna say that she's gonna be like yeah he was he knew the whole time it's just weird oh yeah it's super bummer man it is yeah right he was only 30 and he was like doing such good work yeah a noble all-american man and he was super handsome and did you look like at images of them together yeah he looks like so nice and like a good time like a fun guy and they always they always look so freaking happy yeah that's why you can never believe anything especially on facebook yeah instagram facebook yeah you can't trust it it's all fake it is all fake i mean we all put our highlights up on there but still just like i don't know he looked yeah. like a nice guy. I can't imagine wanting to kill him. <laughs> no, no. Divorce so, is always the answer before murder. Right. And there's nothing worth killing yourself over ever. No. Because it always gets better. Yes. So let me cite my sources. Um, okay. So that WRAL.com is where I got um, a lot of good media coverage about this murderpedia.com they had a lot of information there wasn't a wiki on her um which is surprising because i feel like there's a wiki on everybody um and then oxygen.com they had um a pretty good amount of information about the case also this was featured on like snapped and all of those things um so i'm sure you can find i didn't watch any of them but i'm sure you can find reenactments of what happened but they're out there yeah so ooh, well sad so we hope you enjoyed episode 95 on ann miller cons indeed and we want to thank jamie for suggesting and sharing her side of of what she her what she knows yeah yeah so we hope you all have a good week and we will yes, see you next do. time bye bye